that tonight, don't we? God bless you. Let's stand and read the word of God tonight. Thank you, musicians, for your service to the Lord. And I'd like for everyone to find your place. And we want to go right into the service tonight. Turn to Luke chapter 19 together. God bless you for coming out on a Sunday night. Thank the Lord for what he's done in the last week or two in our assembly. Give all the praise to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We thank the Lord for this morning service. And my wife was remembering this afternoon a service Brother Biscoe took on the token some years ago. And she was remembering how Brother Ed said there's got to be contact. When you apply the blood to the door, there's got to be contact. And so remember with our loved ones and with one another, it's good to pray for them. But it's also important to make contact. And um, in this hour of uh, social media and things, it should be more easier. But sometimes we're the most dilatory. But let's make contact. Let's keep the blood and keep our lives with one another so that there is the blood applied as more than a phrase. But we're making contact. Amen. As we bow our heads tonight, who would just say, Lord, speak to me tonight? Strengthen us on a Sunday night. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just love your appearing and love to gather around the table. Lord, in these times of darkness and evil in the age that we're in, Satan is the God of this evil age. Uh, Lord, but we have a great father in you and our Lord Jesus Christ is still the head of the church and head of our families and head of our lives. Tonight, we've come to be instructed to hear your word by the Holy Spirit. Just place it just exactly right inside of everyone's heart. Help the speaker, Lord, to get out of the way so that it's not his thoughts or his interpretation. But the Holy Spirit would take the inspiration and put it into the hearts of all of us. We are sons and daughters of God and we love your appearing. And we invite your presence to come tonight like a dove and settle into our hearts while we hear the word. I'm just asking you to make it come alive within all of our hearts. Help us to say it just exactly right. And if somehow we fail in that, that you would make it right in the hearts of the people. Because, Lord, we do want to draw closer to you. And if we are failing you in any way, I pray that you would help us to hear the word of God personal. Lord, forgive us individually if we have failed. Forgive us, Lord, if we have, and we want to repent tonight, if we have done anything or said anything that has ever grieved you or grieved another person. Uh, Lord, in our families, in our church, or even as uh, we live our lives, I just pray that you would cover us by your blood tonight. May the richness of your presence just move within our hearts. Heal the sick. Deliver those that are bound. May eyes come open and we fall into a greater love affair with you, Jesus. Answer every question and dissolve every doubt. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 19 is uh, the first few verses is speaking of Zacchaeus. And I'm not speaking about Zacchaeus as much as I'm speaking about what he did and how he responded when the word came by his way. So if you read verse 1 to 10, 
or listen to, there's at least three messages Brother Branham spoke on Zacchaeus. But I, I want to focus on verse 8. And that was Zacchaeus's, Zacchaeus's response in repentance. And so tonight I'd like to speak on witnessing true repentance. Witnessing true repentance. Let's read in verse 1. Luke 19 verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. He was just a little man. And he ran, therefore, and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And I trust that the Lord Jesus would pass by tonight. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he had gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood. I want you to notice verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything... From any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to thy house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was all of us. And it starts with repentance. But I don't just want to speak about repentance before your conversion. It's something that carries through all our Christian life. Let's speak about that tonight as you have your seats. Remember in verse 2, Zacchaeus was chief among the publicans or a tax collector. And no one liked the tax collectors. They would take money. They would defraud people. They would charge more than what a person owed. And Rebecca was Zacchaeus's wife. And you can hear Brother Branham so graphically speak about Rebecca and her faith to believe that God would change her husband's heart. And even as he climbed up that tree and had to, because he was just a little man and had to use the Garbage cans to get up on the sycamore tree and then he peered through the branches and he was being made fun of by, you know, his associates and things. But he was finding Jesus. He was finding the road to repentance. And then as the crowd began to get louder and Jesus came through and and there was a big burly man there and 
Oh, Zacchaeus said that must be Peter because Rebecca had told him about Peter being a burly man. And he was saying, excuse me, excuse me. Jesus is trying to come to a place of rest. And Zacchaeus remembered that, oh, that must be Peter. But something was moving upon Zacchaeus's heart. And that was repentance. And it was so strong in his heart. In verse 8, if you have your Bible open still, Luke 19 that it was Zacchaeus. In verse 7, remember everyone around was murmuring, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. But at this moment, Zacchaeus wasn't a sinner. He was already repenting and making his heart right with God. You say, well, how do you know that? Because verse 8 says, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold or four times. I will make it right with my human person that I have failed. So repentance, as we're going to get into a little bit later, is toward the toward the Lord. But it's also repentance is toward the Lord. If it's toward the Lord in the right way, it'll be toward your fellow People that you are have offended or hurt. So let's look at this tonight as we could uh, go back to Matthew, but you don't need to turn to Matthew 3, 8. It's also in Luke chapter 3, verse 8. And that is when Jesus said, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. Bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. And we're going to speak about that in just a little bit because repentance is much deeper than some of us maybe think tonight. And I'd like to speak about witnessing someone that has a true repentance. Witnessing means that you're experiencing it firsthand. It's not secondhand and it's not hearsay. That's not a witness that says I heard or I seen someone else. A witness is someone that has experienced it firsthand. And then something that is true means that it's not false. It's real. It's genuine. As we heard this morning, it's from the heart. That's what God is looking for. And then repentance in its simplicity is a change of mind, but it's also a change of heart. I'm really taking the whole message that we've heard in this age and funneling it right down. And tonight I want to hone in And just laser in on one main area. And that's repentance. I don't know who the Lord is speaking to. I don't know exactly all that he's going to say tonight to your heart. But I would just open up your heart. It's good to witness true repentance. Not something that's just something that is said, well, I'm sorry. And then continuing on in the same behavior. That's not repentance. To repent is is not to just be sorry that you're caught. It's to have a change of mind and change a heart. And as we'll get into, there's sorrow that's attached to real repentance. It's not, oh, good old buddy, oh, mine and pal, and we've gone down this way so long, and I know that, yes, and I've done something for you, and I'm sorry. It's It's not something vague. So remember tonight, repentance is not saying I'm sorry, than continuing on in the same lifestyle. 
I'm going back to winter camp, but I'm also, as you had a wonderful service here last Sunday morning, it's good for the young people. It's good for the old people. Because as we as we go along in our lives, it's not all young people problems. A lot of times it's family issues or and things that happen. And I, I don't mind getting personal tonight with you as we heard the word. Who enjoyed the service this morning? But when Brother Tom was speaking about the token being the literal life of Jesus Christ, and he was talking about the token desperation being the highlight of the message, and he made this one phrase this morning, we have to live a life that our children love and regard and respect. We have to live a life that our children love and regard and respect. And I think it was good for our assembly to just look deeper down inside. I mean, by the grace of the Lord, all three of my children are here tonight. And I think if I would ask them to stand, I, I, I feel without any prompting, they know that the, that their father loves the Lord and loves them. He respects the Lord and respects them. And I believe without putting words in their mouth that I am in high regard to them. But when I heard this statement from our uh, one of our pastors this evening, this morning. We have to live a life that our children love and regard and respect us. Even I feel like a failure. We feel like oftentimes we we do fall short. And it calls for a deep examining of our lives as believers. Is that okay for me to say that? Jesus said, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. So I, I believe it goes deeper many times in, than what we think about repentance. Because fruits are having to do with uh, works that follow. Deeds that follow. It has to do with Christian character. If someone says I've had a real experience and I have repented or I came forward or I stood or I gave my heart to Christ. To real evidence that that was true is that there's deeds that follow that. Do we all agree? It's we've seen too much amongst Christendom where people have said I've had an experience or God did something great for me or I'm a Christian or I believe the message or I have the Holy Ghost but the fruits that follow is not the Holy Ghost and it's not being skeptical and it's not that we are looking at one another um, critically but I believe this generation deserves to have a true reflection of repentance and and when jesus said go into all the world and be witnesses it starts with repentance it's the core of our christian life and even as an elder or an older person if they cannot humble themselves and repent something's wrong with their experience I want you to think about this tonight. I, I, I actually almost entitled tonight a tender but strong. We need to be tender with one another, but we need to be true. We, we need to sharpen the axe, as it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I was just reading that this morning. We need to sharpen the axe with, and that's wisdom. 
Lest you use more strength and more strength. You say, well, I got the job done. But Ecclesiastes 10 says, wetten your axe or sharpen your axe. That's wisdom. Most of us could could quote Romans chapter 2 verse 4. But I'll just mention it to you because you remember this well from your heart. The Bible says, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But do you know that that's a question? There's a question mark. Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Thank God for a repentive heart. Do we all know that it's the goodness of God that would come around a person and soften their heart? Do we all agree with that? Uh, the very first quote that I had was Brother Branham in Getting in the Spirit. And this just goes right along after this morning. He said, you apply the blood with just a common thing like weed faith. Remember, you apply the blood with just hyssop. Common weed faith that's all around you. So it's not an exotic plant and it's not something you need from Australia or Trinidad or Europe. It's right around you. It's the faith that is right around you to grab and apply to your own life in repentance. Just take this, what Brother Branham is saying. You're trying to look all around and say, if I could just find an orchid to apply what I believe in Jesus. Now, I almost put a picture of an orchid. Do you know what an orchid is? An orchid is a very nice uh, flower. It's a beautiful flower. It's, it looks really, really nice. An orchid plant. I could have put it up tonight. Excuse me for not having the time. But Brother Branham is applying this as an orchid. If I could, you say, I just take an orchid and apply what I believe in Jesus. If I could just reach out and get a hold of an orchid. He said, you don't need an orchid. Or you don't need an exotic plant. Or you don't need something that's unusual or odd. It's just hyssop faith. It's right around you. It's in you to repent. It's in you to say, I'm sorry. It's in you to say, I am wrong. And if it's not, tonight we're asking God to put it in there. Hallelujah. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing of the word. So this plant that's right around you. Brother Branham is saying you don't need an orchid. You don't need some special revelation. Some deep preaching or another preacher. You've had a lot of preaching. It just takes the heart to be changed. Take the weeds that's right by you, he says. Take the faith that you go home with. Take the faith that brought you here. Apply that same thing tonight and watch what will take place. Oh, brother, there'll never be a doubt in your mind. If it's really the blood's applied by that kind of a faith, he said, you say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm throwing all the old logs of my ecclesiasticalism and everything out of my system right here now. Lord God, by ordinary faith, I believe you to be my savior. You are my healer. He's talking about digging the ditches deeper and more water will flow. Dig deeper in Christ and there'll be more evidence of the Holy Ghost. Repent and give up those things in your life that is hindering you from going on and watch what God will do. Get in the spirit. He said, believe like that and just feel peace like a river. Great gushes. 
from that fountain that never runs dry. Just keep digging till you hit something. He said, if you've done something wrong and say, well, I owe so-and-so some money. He said, well, go pay it. You say, well, I can't pay him. Well, go tell him about it then. Don't beat around the bush about it. Go tell him. And then tell him and say, I'll make it right, brother. You just give me a little time. I'm fixing to straighten up now. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about loosening up and seeing the the gusher of the Holy Spirit in your individual life, in your family, in the church of the living God. It's digging up all the logs, straightening up things. Oh, all the things where people are just making fun of things and, and then they'll raise up and say this and that. We need to say, Lord, I'm sorry I done that. Lord, you know my heart. People, you forgive me and you'll feel that old log go out. Some water will go pouring in and rolling in and oh my, when you're just having an attitude saying that's nothing but the devil or making fun of this people and, and, and we need to get that out of the ditch, he said. The water's there. Uh, the Bible said, believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the smitten rock. He's got the life. He's still got the water. He's got the healing power. You say, Brother Branham, will Jesus forgive me? He's already done it. Just get the logs out of the way. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, help us tonight to jump down in the trenches with one another. Amen. Willing to get dirty with one another. Willing to look at one another in the face and in the eyes and bear one another's burdens. You know, the camp was very different this year. And as we went through winter camp on the Friday night, uh, Brother uh, Andrew Spencer spoke on uh, the great messages that the Lord laid upon his hope, on his heart. And and, uh, I'm not going to speak much about it, but his main theme was where we belong. We belong in this kind of atmosphere. We belong in the presence of God. We belong to be forgiven. We belong to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We we belong to say, Lord, by your stripes, I am healed. We belong to have a happy church. That's where we belong. We belong forgiven. We belong to give that to one another. But as we went to BCA on the following Tuesday and Wednesday and was just with them and hearing uh, their devotions and what they had to say about the Saturday morning uh, devotion and how they were so happy that the ministry was willing uh, to, in their words, get vulnerable, vulnerable and uh, speak about things that uh, what they're going through. And being able to create an atmosphere and the questions that Brother Michael Ray had prepared and Sister Abigail and the team to work together. And it just seemed to be from the young people that they appreciated uh, the ministry giving uh, them that opportunity. And it was like the, the counselors and the ministry and the helpers were jumping in the trenches with them. And they really appreciated that. You know, sometimes if we want to see God move greater among us, we got to get down in the trenches. You know, even if you if you've done something wrong uh, to someone else, you've got to be willing to say, I owe you this something and I'm willing to pay that. And Brother Branham, you know, he said, well, I can't pay him. Brother Branham said, well, go tell him about it. Don't beat around the bush about it. Go tell him and then tell him and say, I'll make it right, brother. 
You just give me a little time. I'm fixing to straighten that up. You know, God help us not to have anything between us and the Lord. But help us not to have anything between us and one another. It's the goodness of God that would lead someone to a change of mind. To a change of heart. Can I speak about repentance just a little bit? Repentance is more than just the first fruits. And God taking us on to perfection. This is what he permits as Paul said in Hebrews 6. But it has to do with that if there's a genuine repentance that has taken place. It leads on to further things that God has. I'll use the word thoroughly repent. Thoroughly means completely. And that really comes from the Lord. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But repentance, as Jesus said, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. It means there's been a change of mind. It's something that comes to the person who repents that this is their purpose. This is what she's got to do. This is what he's got to do. Something has been formed within their mind. Then it drops down into their heart. But their actions afterwards really shows if the experience was genuine. And our example comes from our opening scripture in that Zacchaeus. He was a publican. And when God met him and he met him, he didn't need to be coached by the other disciples about how to repent. I mean, it wasn't Peter or James or John. The sons of thunder didn't grab him and give him a week of seminars on repenting. It was immediate. I'll give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have done wrong to any person, I will restore them fourfold. That's an incredible repentance. He he had a change of heart. He had a change of mind. But repentance, the root word of that is repent. And that means to heartily amend a person's actions with an abhorrence or a hatred for one's past sins. So it's not laughing about it and taking it lightly. To really repent. Means to be that someone happily is willing to change their behavior. And they, be, they, they begin to hate one's past sins. They're not justifying their actions. They're not trying to bring up reasons why I did what I did and why I did this. And they're not, they're not pushing themselves into a corner. It's heartily. It's what can I do? To make this right. So I want to put this in your heart tonight. Someone that has said that they're repenting. But they're always justifying what they did. Or how they did it. Or who they did it to. And everyone's wrong around them. But them. They're already showing that their repentance needs to go deeper. And if you want to look this word up. What Jesus meant when he said to bring forth fruits. Worthy of repentance. It's dealing with things that have been behind us. It's things that are among us. And it's things that are hereafter. So if a repentance comes from God. You look back and you say God forgive me. I don't want to do that no more. 
It's looking at where you're at and it's saying, God, teach me. And what do I need to do so that that don't happen again? But it's looking forward. If someone has come to the altar, they say, I've given my heart to Christ or I've received the Holy Ghost. They will show by their actions whether it was real or not. And tonight, I don't want anyone to be condemned or shoveling this service over to someone else. It's good for all of us to look back where we've been, to really be honest about where we are, be willing even to talk about it. And then going forward to submit to the Holy Spirit because it's the goodness of God that brings someone to this place. So they should be willing to pay the consequences. Now, I want to remind you that in the scripture and when the word says bring forth fruits worthy of repentance, it means heartily or with joy. And that's dealing with behind things, things that are now and things that are after. But there's three things that's very important before I move along to another example from our prophet. Repentance, number one, must be an acknowledging of past wrongdoings. If you are genuinely repenting, there must be an acknowledging that what I have done is wrong. And number two, true repentance must express remorse and sorrow. Everyone's quiet. I'm glad to hear you're listening. There must be all three of these things or your repentance is not deep enough. Acknowledging past wrong things. Number two, expressing remorse and sorrow. And number three, a person must be willing to make amends to those that have been affected by wrong behavior. And if they're not willing to go through all of these things, you say, well, they're steps. No, it's genuine repentance. It is actually witnessing true repentance. And if a person is not willing to acknowledge what they've done is wrong, if they're not willing to show sorrow for what they've done, and if they're not willing to make amends to those that have been affected by their behavior, they have not thoroughly repented. And God will not bless their lives going forward unless you thoroughly repent. Amen. Now, I'm just going to take our time tonight and speak about this word repent. Because that was when Paul, when Peter spoke to them on the day, on the day. I'm just going to go forward in my notes. Because after camp and after years and years of working in the assembly and, and Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Because there might be some that have never really been filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's very, very simple in fact. And it's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. I'm just quoting to you out of a message from Phoenix. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins or the taking away of all your past sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how many believe the Bible tonight? And here's a prophet, he's honing in down on receiving the Holy Ghost. A real repentance should lead you to the Holy Ghost. 
And let me just say this so some don't misunderstand tonight. To you that are middle-aged or older. There, there is an area of grieving the Holy Ghost and quenching the Spirit. And it will come back to what Brother Branham will say later. And that is people are not confessing when they're wrong. Even as a Christian. When you do things that are wrong. If you're not willing to admit that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. And He's a dove. And He's gentle. And he will not go around hurting or being hurt. It's just part of his nature as a dove. He's gentle. So tonight on speaking on this subject, I want to be tender. But we need to be strong. Brother Branham goes on to say, if a man repents and is baptized, God's duty bound to give him the Holy Ghost. If he's repented from his heart. And Brother Branham said, why tarry? Why wait a long time? It's because there's something here, here, that isn't right. Correctly. He said, well, maybe God just don't want to give it to me. He said, oh, yes, he does. We we all know we're facing the devil tonight. We're one week after camp. But the devil will come in and say, well, maybe God just don't want to give it to me. Oh, yes, he does. Well, you say maybe the Holy Ghost has been to so many. You'd be surprised how many of our children or young people or even visitors or someone will just take in a little thought from the devil and it's nothing but the devil. And I believe the preaching of the word ought to cast out all of those spirits and make the gospel and bring the message, bring us to Christ so that if someone does not have the Holy Ghost, they will repent and be baptized and receive it. And if there's someone that is grieving the Holy Spirit and wondering why the gusher and wondering why the river is so clogged up, it's time to move some of those logs and, and rocks. Maybe we need to help somebody. You say, well, maybe the Holy Ghost has been to so many. He said, God's got plenty of it for you. Don't worry. Could you imagine a little fish about that long standing out in the middle of the ocean and swimming around and saying, well, I better drink of this water kind of sparingly because I might run out someday. He said, well, that's just about like thinking God hasn't got enough Holy Spirit for you. Friends, God's got enough Holy Spirit for all of us. But there's a way to get there. And that's repentance. I want to ask you a question tonight. Very simple question. Who really appreciates it when you see someone repenting, giving up their past life? And you can see the Holy Ghost. And a lot of times it's mixed with tears. And a lot of times there's emotion attached with it. As whenever Jesus was walking towards Zacchaeus, there was a lot of noise and a lot of excitement. And little babies from their mothers that had just been maybe into his business just the day or two before. And Brother Brother Branham said, Zacchaeus, look down through his little leaves and said, oh, what is that mother doing with that little baby outside? You know, she needs to be home and and needs to be, you know, at home taking care of her little baby. But it was Jesus. They were about ready to meet Jesus. He was about ready to get converted and that baby was about to get healed. You know, it's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. 
And I would just say this to anyone here. If you have never repented and been baptized and given your heart to Christ, why tarry any longer? Maybe the Holy Spirit will take this to someone else that has had an experience with God and wonder why things have maybe dried up for you. Is it perchance that you have come to a place in your life and you are unwilling because of your stubbornness and because of your just your makeup and the way you are, it's hindering you and God wants to break that down. So when you think of the word repent, it has to do with a person's understanding and their perception. And they begin to think about this. I'm going to the root meaning of this word repent. It means to perceive something with your mind. And I begin to understand this was wrong. I wronged someone. That is the goodness of God even to bring someone up to that reality. Oh, how we want the goodness of God. But it also means to you begin to think about this. You begin to ponder. You begin to consider. You begin to meditate. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to put something on your heart. That's the time to get tender. That's the time to get soft. That's the time to lift up your hands or uh, just allow the tears to flow. You know, I think what we're speaking about tonight is really... A lot deeper than what most people would actually think. True repentance is for the Spirit of God to deal with the person. Not just for them, for the individual to do things the way they feel is appropriate. Or when they feel they should make this right or to who. It's much deeper than that. It's the Holy Ghost coming to the person. And when God began to move on Zacchaeus' heart, he began to move. And I pray God would begin to move on someone's heart. I don't believe the Lord lays these things on the minister's heart just for a service. Just to fulfill some Sunday night service. I, I believe that God wants to break through into someone's life and to some situation. If you really want to get down to the bottom of the matter, it's a nature change. Something needs to happen on the inside. If you really want to get down to the bottom of it all, we could talk about it. We could debate it. We could all sit in a circle and we could all talk about what we're going through. But when you really get to the bottom of it all is a nature change. Not just that you are caught, but it's the Holy Spirit bringing something to your attention. Let's go to the book of Acts now. Acts chapter 26 is, I took too long in that. So let's just move along now to read another illustration. Witnessing true repentance. Let's laser in tonight and just maybe focus on this area. And Lord, keep us tender, but keep it strong. Acts chapter 26 verse 15 is Paul speaking before Agrippa. And we see him giving his testimony in in the book of Acts. And we want another book of Acts church. But are we willing to do what the book of Acts did to get there? Acts 26. Chapter 26 verse 15. We're, We're stepping into the middle of his speaking. And I said, who art thou Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. 
but arise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Notice that. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith. That is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But showed first unto them of Damascus. Now verse 20 is our verse. But showed first unto them. This was the vision. Of Damascus and at Jerusalem throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And for these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Now, if we looked at verse 20 again and begin to speak about these certain cities I trust that Cloverdale would be added to that tonight. We want to see the Lord move among us. Paul's given a testimony. And for many of us, if we would say, verse 20, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, period, I think we'd all say amen. Wouldn't we all say amen to that? Uh, we, there needs to be repentance. Someone needs to turn to God. They need to have a change of mind. They need to, to, to move and heartily have an abhorrence for their past sins. But Paul continued. That they should repent and turn to God, comma, and do works, meet for repentance. I wanted to go into that latter part. This is the service tonight. To witness true repentance isn't just toward God. But it's to take it further and do works meet for repentance. Oh, the devil hates what Brother John is preaching tonight. Because he loves for it to just be a group thing. And oh, yes, I went to the altar. Oh, yes, I was baptized. But it's more than just repentance and turning to God. When you do that, comma, and do works, meet for repentance, that's the conclusion. And that word works means there's labor or there's doings, there's deeds that follow. There's a, a lifestyle that follows that is meet or worthy. M-E-E-T means your life will be worthy for repentance. Can we agree tonight that if someone repents and it's been a real repentance toward God, there will be works that follow. So those works has to do with our business, our employment. It has to do with everything that you're occupied in, your enterprises, your undertakings, the products that you're involved in. It's everything that you're doing at your school with your relationships. Things you do with your hands. It has to do with industry and art and in your mind. It has to do with your acts and your deeds. To follow repentance means there will be works. 
Amen. If you genuinely repent, there will be something that follows that. It's, it's called labor. It means there's, there's, I've had a change of mind. The mind of Christ has dropped into me. And I'm so sorry for where I've been. And I'm so sorry, God, I don't want to see that continue. And Lord, for the future, I know, and this is where the law and grace really makes a real division right here. Because the law will put you into prison and say you were guilty. I'm guilty of the charges. But it'll leave you there. Grace makes a way for you. Says you were guilty. That's wrong. But you, you've got to have a nature change. Or you're just going to go right back and do the same thing. Friends, let's not falter right there. Let's receive the mind of Christ. If there's been something wrong happening, you realize it now. Say, God, I need a mind change. I need a heart change. Genuine, true repentance is always followed by works of repentance. Always. You say, well, I repented. I gave my heart to the Lord, but I've never been baptized. If that is a seed of God and they have thoroughly repented, the next step is for them to be baptized. And what, what, here is water. What does hinder you? Brother John will baptize you tonight. Because I know there's some tonight in our church, been raised in our church, and we know one another. And if you realize it's come to that moment, I repent of my sins, I need the Holy Ghost, but I realize I've never been baptized, that's what you need to do. And you turn 13 and 14 and 15, 16 and 17, and and then you go from BCA to college, or you go to the workplace, and the devil's out to destroy your life. It's not just good enough to say I've been wrong and oh, I'm just so horrible and I'm wrong. You've got to go all the way. Don't stop at the altar. Get up from there and go back and say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. True repentance always is followed by works of repentance. Now, in 1965, Brother Branham, I'm just moving along. Brother Branham spoke a message, Christ is revealed in his own word. I want you to listen real close to this. This is August the 22nd in Jeffersonville. The Sunday before he had spoken and knoweth it not. On the 15th, the Sunday before that was God of this evil age. But in Christ is revealed in his own word. Brother Branham said, I see Lane here. There's many requests this from last week. What I said last Sunday on the message And he said, I believe, I forget what it was titled, but it's, and knoweth it not. But I said something about paying your debts. And you know, no matter what you say, Brother Tom referred to this this morning, no matter what you say, it's misunderstood by many. Not because they they don't want to misunderstand it. They just simply misunderstand it. Isn't it amazing that a prophet could say something about paying your debts and there's just question and question. And what does he mean? Well, let's clear some of that up tonight. And someone said, well, should we buy a car or, or what? And that isn't, he said, what Jesus was speaking of when the Bible said, oh, no man, nothing. He said, that's lingering debts that you could pay. Pay them. That's owing no man nothing. It doesn't mean, he said, we owe, we owe our rent. We owe our telephone bill or whatever more. We owe these things and we pay them. 
I hope we pay them. But an old lingering debt that you could be paying on, pay it off. And don't go with anything hanging on you like that. He's talking about debt that we owe to someone else. Don't go on with those things hanging on you like that. I believe it's twofold. You can't afford to go on and meet the Lord, whether it's in the rapture or in in a death, and have that hanging on you. But it also means in our Christian journey, we can't go along with those things hanging on us like that. God will not bless us. Now, this is a, this is what I was looking for. And the ministers behind me know there's things that you know, Brother Bannum said, you're looking for it and looking for it. And I was looking for it all this week. And by the grace of God, we found it. Brother Branham said, this is still in the same message. I remember a time when I was sick, when I was just a boy. And I come out of the hospital owing about $2,000. And it used to be a drugstore down here, Mr. Swenniger. And I owed him about three or $400. It was a, a medicine bill. And he didn't even know me. And the man, and I went to him, and I didn't know him. And, and he just sent it up there anyhow and never refused. He never refused to send it. And I said, I owe you. Here's Brother Branham. He never even met the man before. He's already in $2,000 worth of debt. And if you want to look back and see how much that was worth back then and compare it today, it's a lot of money. But to this certain uh, pharmacist man, we would say, he owed three or $400, a medicine bill. Brother Branham went to the man and said, I owe you. I, I believe it was Mr. Swanniger and then someone saying Mr. Watson, Mr. Manson. And Brother Branham was remembering Mr. Manson was down on a court avenue in Spring Street. And Brother Branham went to this man, Mr. Swanniger, and said, I owe you. And I'm just feeling really awfully weak, uh, but I'm trying to go to work. Now, if I can't pay you, and I just had become a Christian, it reminds me of Zacchaeus. It was like an immediate, he's just a young Christian. It wasn't like the pastor needed to counsel him. It wasn't like the associate needed a meeting with him. Brother Branham, tender in heart, knew I got a debt to pay. I need to pay it. And I had just become a Christian. And I said, first thing, Mr. Mason, as my duty to God, I owe him my tithes. I want to pay him my tithes first. And I said, then my next duty is to pay my debts. I said, my father is sickly. And and there's 10 of us children in the family. And I said, if I can't pay you no more than 25 cents on that bill... Each payday, if I can't pay you even the 25 cents, I'll come by and tell you about it. And I'll tell you, I can't do it this time. My, what an attitude. He's he's just a young Christian. He's in a lot of debt. He's he's in a family that's got a lot of children. Y'all know the story. And and his father and mother and the relationship and things. And Brother Branham was being honest. I owe you three or four hundred dollars. It wasn't like he avoided that pharmacy. It wasn't like, he, you know, he walked on the opposite side of the street. He went to the person. He acknowledged, I owe you. 
Then he said, he's almost like witnessing to the person. He said, I, I, I want to pay my tithes first, but my next duty is to pay my debts. And my father's sickly and he gave the person, but if I can't pay you no more than 25 cents on that bill each payday, you say, Brother John, you're repeating. I know I'm repeating. Sometimes to change our minds and change our hearts, we need to hear it again. I'll be honest with you, some of us zone out. I mean, you ate a big lunch today or you had fellowship. You're in the fellowship. You're coming in and you're just zoning out. God's trying to give us a witness of a true repentance. Here's a man that's a young believer. It'd be a good lesson for some of us older believers. He's being honest. He's not avoiding the issue. He's not asking to forgive the debt. He's saying, I owe you. And I'm willing. Think about three or four hundred dollars. I'm willing to give you 25 cents every payday to make that up. And if I can't do it, I'm going to come by and I'm going to let you know. And you know what he said? By the help of God, I paid every bit of it. Glory to God. Now, that is a witness of a true repentance. It's acknowledging that you have the debt. It's being honest and forthright about it. I'm sorry and this is the situation, but I'm willing to. And then it's willing to follow up because I'm the one that owe you a debt. And until that's dealt with, it's still going to be on my shoulders. You know what a lot of people to do? It's called the old nature. They want to get that off their shoulder and get, no, I don't know that. And they want to give an answer and say, no, friends, we need to come back to being a Christian. Basics. I owe this. If I'm not able to pay, I'll pay you what I can. And if I'm not able to, I will come back and tell you and can't do it at this time by the help of God. I paid it all off. God give us a church full of those kind of people. And and it's not Starbucks that was second and then Tim Hortons and then my family vacation. My debts are right after tithing. And it's not the new code and getting the bigger car. It's I acknowledge that there's someone that I owe. Now, Brother Branham goes on to say, next paragraph. Oh, some Christian here at the church one time went out and got some work done. Now, I want everyone to listen. This is as um, basic as we can get. Some Christian here at the church one time went out and got some work done on a car here. And the man came and said, I'll pay you. And I get paid on Saturday or something another. And he never paid him. What is it, Brother Bisco? We got some math going on up here. I think the wheels are turning in. Did you do math? Oh, my. Praise God. May I should have you come up and speak. Okay, here's an example. Someone in the church. Brother Bradham speaking at his own tabernacle. Say, hush, hush. Somebody's going to know who you're talking about. Here's Brother Bradham. He said, a Christian here at the church one time went out and got some work done on a car. And the man said, I'll pay you. I, I get paid on Saturday or something or another. And he never paid him. And weeks after weeks rolled by and never paid him. Never said a word. And the man come and asked me. And said, see, now here's the man that, that the debt was owed to. 
and said, this person came to me and said, they're going to pay me. And that was a Saturday weeks and weeks ago. And Brother Branham said, see, it reflects against the church and it reflects against Christ. And it's not a good reflection. Because a real repentance would be open about it. I'm, I'm being forthright. I'm willing to tell you I'm wrong. I owe this. I wonder if we take the same attitude as believers down the road. It reflects against the church and it reflects against Christ. Brother Branham gave good counsel. I'll just let him say it. If you can't pay him, go tell him. Say, I owe you and I'm going to pay you. I'm a Christian. But I can't do it right now. But I owe this. We don't see that a lot today. We see person avoid, get around, try to say, no, it's not really that way. I don't owe you, but you do. Then there becomes feelings, then there becomes a spirit begin to work, then it affects relationships, it affects marriages, it affects the church. And I believe it's time to lift up some of them logs tonight and say, God, send a gusher of your Holy Ghost now. And you know what the Holy Spirit is saying? I'm not going to do that until someone repents. Oh, this is the thing that really clenches it. The person is to say, I owe you. And remember, Brother Branham said, it's on God's books too. You know, you know that, he said. It's on God's books too. You know that you do. So the books that God keeps, it's on his books. So he said, I'm trying to, Brother Branham said, for myself and for all of us together, trying to be ready. He said, Brother Branham, why would you bring that to the Branham Tabernacle? Here's, he's given his answer. I'm trying to, for myself and for all of us together, trying to be ready, for we know we're getting near something, very near of something is going to take place. So we want to be ready when the coming of the Lord is drawing so near now. We want to be ready for that great hour. Does Corbidale Bible Way want to be ready? We've talked about it for years. We've heard about it for years. The trump of the Lord shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remain. And and the devil would want to put dot, dot, dot. There's going to be dissension. There's going to be breakages. There's going to be people, multiple people unwilling to repent. There's going to be issues. There's going to be strife. And I say away with all of that dot, dot, dot. Let the Holy Spirit move within our lives. Now, as I was just preparing this week, can I go just a little bit further? How many's ever heard that scripture in the Bible? It's more than one. I've got two pages of, of scriptures where it says, and it repented the Lord or the Lord repented. Who's ever heard of that? And I've got two pages of it here, right? From Genesis, Exodus, Judges, First Samuel. You can read Second Samuel, First Chronicles, Jeremiah, all the way through Amos, Zechariah, where the Bible says, and the Lord repented for this. And the Lord repented. So our question tonight is, can God repent? It's a different word in referring to God and to us. 
When you go through, and now here's my second page of notes on this, right from Exodus and Jeremiah, all through Jeremiah, when it says God repented of this and he repented of that. God doesn't have an evil heart. God does not have an evil heart. It is our human heart that is failing. It is our humanness that gets us into trouble. God does not need to repent. We need to repent. Brother Emmanuel Gindo took the prayer uh, service before winter camp and read 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. A very familiar scripture. But the Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Do we believe the Bible tonight? He's like, of course we do without saying. But then it's time then if we're going to go walk according to the word. If you want to see God bless your life. That's the scripture. If my people, so he's not talking about make believers or unbelievers. It's the church of the living God, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. That's number one. 99.9% of the time it leads to pride. It's an unwillingness to admit I am wrong. We become stiff-necked, stubborn. We don't want to lower ourselves. We don't want to uh, say that we're somehow missed it. We don't want to admit there's a better way. We don't want to look at it through anybody else's eyes. You say, well, you offended me or you hurt me. And believe me, friends, when we talk about a debt, it's much more than a money debt. Yes, when the Bible says that uh, people are poor, it's more than financially. And the poor you'll have with you always is more than just money. Did I stumble somebody there? Poor in spirit. Poor in mental abilities. Poor in physical. It could be poor. And there's a lot of different things that makes a person poor. Do we all agree tonight that God does not need to repent? It's a different word in the Bible when it says in God, when he says, I will repent of this and I will repent. It's if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I just pray tonight, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive all of us. If I could humble myself as a minister tonight, I would say, God, forgive us. If we've been wrong in any way, forgive us. I'm just a real little person. But I think this would bring revival to our families and to our church. If you had the elders start number one. This is going back to the book of Joel. When there's weeping and crying from the ministry, the elders, and it trickled into the fathers, into the mothers, all of us begin to, begin to recognize and want more of God. You say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more of God. But there has to be an acknowledging that the road that a person's tarry down is not the right road. Say, what is your encouragement tonight? Come back. 
It's not too late. Don't carry your stubborn heart into a tribulation. Don't miss the rapture after all that we've heard and we know because of something in your mind. I I believe it's the Holy Ghost wanting to give a revelation. Look the other way. Look at it God's way. It's in the nature of Christ tonight to drop it into the individual's heart, to ask for forgiveness and put things under the blood with one another. I have two more things I want to say before we close. Number one, there's a difference between a person sinning against God and sinning against another person. And, a, and people today might say, oh, I've asked God to forgive me, or that's under the blood. That's between you and God. But number two is just as important. And, and if the number one is where it ought to be, it should flow to number two. And that is when you have done wrong to another person. You can ask God to forgive you and put that under the blood, but you must go to that other person. Tonight we're speaking about true repentance. And it's not a true repentance. You can ask God all day long to forgive you, and He will. But if you've got the Holy Ghost and you go to Him in prayer, He's going to be saying to you very clearly, you've got to go to so-and-so. And if that is not in your heart, you don't have the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is a person. And if he's grieved and if he's upset and if you've offended the least of his, he's going to put that on your heart. I'll just ratchet it up to another standard. Even if you feel like you've offended someone, but you're not guilty, you have a spiritual obligation to go to that person. And that's a whole nother service. People's not even willing to listen to number one though. They're not even willing to, when things have been wrong between brothers or sisters to say, will you forgive me? Here's an example. I'll just give you one out of he cares. Do you care? In Jeffersonville, Brother Branham's talking about sinning against another person, sinning against your wife. He says, I think one of the things that keeps our people from being healed is the lack of confession. The lack of sincere confession. That's from a prophet. The reason that people are being kept from their healing is a lack of sincere confession. So, for instance, this might sound a little bad, he said. And I don't mean it in this way, but looking at my wife sitting here. If I would go out here today and throw my arms around some other woman and make love to her. And I know then after I did that, that I was wrong. So wrong. Then he says, now, of course, my comforter would keep me from doing that. See, but I mean, if I did do that and it happened that I did it or something similar to it. And then I know the first thing is to say to my wife before I say to God, forgive me because I sinned against her. This is basic stuff. Tonight. This is basic. There's sins against God. You ask him to forgive you, it's under the blood. There's things between people that happen. You go to God, say, God, forgive me and give me courage when I do approach the other person. But if you don't go approach the other person, that's where it cuts right off. It's not sincere. 
Oh, God help us this week. Amen. I think there's going to be revival this week. Amen. And Brother Branham says, then I know the first thing is to say to my wife, before I say to God, forgive me, because I sinned against her. If you come to the altar and remember that you have ought, go make that right first before you offer your gift. So I've got to go to her. Do we believe Brother Branham? I've got to go to her. I believe in confession is straightening up also. And then he said, it isn't true confession unless it is. So a person has not thoroughly repented and been confessing if they do not make it right with the person they've hurt. I just say, God help us, Lord. It is a good thing to repent. I want to put a smile on my face. It is a good thing to repent. It's a great man that can repent. It is a great lady that can repent. And it was mentioned this morning, and before we go to our last scripture tonight, I want to refer to 1 Samuel 15, where the Bible says, To obey is better than sacrifice. Do you remember the scripture? To obey is better than sacrifice. Brother Branham mentions obedience is better than sacrifice at least 23 times in the message. That's almost one every day for a month. It's getting the message across. To obey is better than sacrifice. Do you know what that means for us tonight? God expects us to obey Him. He wants us to obey Him. But all of our Christian works and doing something for the Lord, or you could say I'm sacrificing my my whole life to the Lord, is not equal To obedience. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. God would rather this church be full of uh, obedient people. Than people doing a lot of works and service and sacrificing. And oh, that brother sacrifices. Oh, that sister, she sacrifices. Oh, glory to God. What a great church. That's not a great church. A church that is great is one that's obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I'll say this tonight so you don't get me wrong. Obey and do the greater works. Sacrifice. Do everything for the Lord. But that, that, that is not a cover for our lack of obedience. You say, well, I'm doing a lot for the Lord and I'm serving the Lord and I'm sacrificing over here, but you're not being obedient. I don't want to be harsh tonight, but I'm going to be strong. That just does away with all your works. God looks at your heart and it's black. It's muddled up. You say, but I did this and I did that. And I'll use the words of the Bible. I cast out demons and I did this and I raised the dead. And Jesus will say, depart from me. God loves a cheerful giver. But a cheerful giver is someone that has heartily repented. Said I am wrong. Willing to humble themselves. God, don't let our church get to where we're always competing and doing great sacrifices and great works. And when it comes to what we're speaking about tonight, we get a big capital D or F. God help us. Maybe we need to turn it around on Satan and say, we're going to do, we're going to do the basics again. Our last scripture tonight as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Are we doing okay tonight? God bless you. 
We've just went over our time a little bit. Can I have a little bit of grace? This is our last scripture for tonight. Second Quranic Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter seven, verse five. Again, this is Paul. We're staying close to the, to the scriptures and to what the prophet taught. I'm just giving some examples to, to let you know that it comes down to where we live. The message has got to come down to where we live. Second Corinthians chapter seven. Verse five, Paul speaking. Oh, this is just a few good verses here. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings and within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. This is incredible. That when the church was in, within were fears and out were fightings, that God began to comfort those that were cast down and there was a brother that brought comfort to the church. Do you want your testimony to be that way? Do you want your life in your family to be the one after tonight that says, I will apply the token. I will literally strike the, the doorpost of our lives with joy, with love, with peace, with long suffering. I will do that. Stop putting it on everybody else to come up to a standard. And Brother John's not preaching this tonight like I've overcome this. And like, uh, you know, I'm at the top of the ladder. God help us to understand that we're in this together. And true repentance comes to humility. Being honest. But I also want to fulfill verse 6 where we can comfort the body of Christ. And comfort those that are in the church. Verse 7. And not by his coming only. Or by his personal presence. But by the consolation. Wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire. And your mourning. And your fervent mind toward me. So that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter. I do not repent. Here's Paul saying I sent a letter. And um. And it kind of made the church, because this was the Corinthian church, it maybe was a little strong. Today it might be an email or a text or voicemail or something. And Paul was saying, though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent. And it's like, should I send it? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I really say this? Or should I not? And Paul said, I said it and I repent, but I'm not sorry. It's exactly what needed to be said. <laughs> I'm glad you thought that was worthy of a response. So he said, I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice. Not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. Or what I wrote unto you, and by the appearing of Titus and hearing back, I can see, and my heart is very, very happy, that you have willingly complied to the word. Now I rejoice. 
Oh, I hope that Brother Branham, being our prophet, could say, if he could look over the banister, there's a group of people down in Cloverdale that makes my heart happy. Not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Our last verse, verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance. Are we all together on this verse? Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of or not to be sorry about that you had to go through that time. Paul was saying, I had to bring some letters to you and say some things that were kind of strong. And and I wanted to repent, but, you know, I had to say that. And now I'm so happy to see by your life That the godly sorrow has worked repentance. That godly sorrow. And remember we're closing. It means that I can see that there's been a heaviness. And it's been grievous to you. You've bore some grief and pain. You actually got annoyed sometimes. It's annoyance. And this affliction that God put on you. God had to put it on you. To purge out those things that were wrong. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. That means godly sorrow is a heaviness or something grievous. It was a pain that God put on you. Just listen real close. It's something that moves you away from whatever you were involved in. It moves you away from that attitude. Away from that hurt. And it brings you out of that. It's godly sorrow. It's godly grief. God, how could I do that to one of your sheep? To one of your lambs. And I offended them. Oh, Zacchaeus. He said, how long should this take to come into a believer? Four years? Five years? Zacchaeus, it was immediate. It was like, God, if I have hurt the poor, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. And if I have a hurt or offended or by false accusation, just look that up. It means that if I have hurt someone or took from them, conned them out of something that was theirs, and I took it, I'm going to avoid that person. And Lord, you forgave me. So I'm going to go rejoice. No, I'm going to give them back fourfold. If it was a thousand dollars, I'm going to give them four thousand. If it was ten thousand, I'm going to give them forty. You say, I don't even have that money, brother John. Well, that's when you need to go to the person and say, I'll give you twenty five, twenty five cents. Well, that was a quote we just read out of the message. I'm willing to give you a dollar. I'm willing to give you five dollars. Everybody's getting quiet. Amen. Godly sorrow will move you away from a wrong attitude. And if a person does not have godly sorrow, they've missed the Holy Ghost. They've missed the nature of Christ. Godly sorrow worketh or it accomplishes, it achieves, it performs repentance. This is in verse 10. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. Saying, godly sorrow worketh repentance. This kind of response of the Holy Spirit on a person will bring a change of mind and a change of heart. It'll bring it right down into a meeting like this. And this is our last quote. Right down in a meeting in West Palm Beach, Florida, when Brother Branham is in a prayer line. And he says, well, what about you, lady? 
This is our last quote tonight. This is where the word will come down into the life. What about you, lady? You believe with all your heart. I believe you're a good, sincere person. I believe it with all my heart. And I know there's a deep ridge of sorrow behind you. You're yet a young woman, but there's been many things that have happened. Man, isn't that just like our God? To jump down in the trenches with us and say, I can see the the ridges of sorrow back behind you. Many things that's happened and I, I see a trail of blackness and darkness. But you're here tonight and you're bringing this baby and this baby has a rupture. And you want the baby dedicated to God. Isn't that true? Say, I see something wrong. It's a, it's a man. And he's very sick. He's mentally ill. It's your husband. And I see an explosion or a war or something going on. It's shell shock. This is where a prophet was going, standing. He was going back in the past. Standing, talking to a lady with a little baby saying she's got a rupture. And I see your past. And and then I see a husband and he's in shell shock. Oh, and he begins to get under the burden. God bless you. You're going to get well, both of you. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, make this sister for her healing. Father, grant it, Lord. May your spirit be here to make well through Jesus Christ's name. Go on, sister. I just want to say tonight, that's where healing is. It's past, it's present, and it's in the future. Arise up out of that shell shock. Rise up out of that dark streak and all the hurt that's happened. May you go and your husband be well and your baby be well. You say, oh, that's what a quote to close on. I say, God, that increase, that, that includes all of the family. Whatever's happened in our past or present or the future, give us men and women. Let us witness true repentance in one another with godly sorrow that brings us to repentance doesn't bring us to hardness of heart and blaming somebody and just throwing accusations. No, Lord, bring us to a place where it's between me and God. Then it's between me and my brothers and sisters. I don't want no trouble at the river. God bless you. May our musicians come. Goodness of God leads a person. To repentance. It leads them tenderly. Tenderly. Yet with strength. It's like a shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not. He leads us with his staff and his rod's hand. Come on sheep. Come on lamb. This is where we need to go. This is the direction. Don't you want to go there tonight? Just in your heart as we bow our heads. Lord, we want to see that in our own lives. We want to witness it true, a trueness. We want to be honest. We want to be forthright, God. Lord, how can we claim to be honest with you and when not honest with one another? When really, when it comes down to it, it becomes a lie. Then you got to say another lie to cover up this lie. And you got to be 
having guile mixed in with it and it's half truth and it's not really the way that it was and it becomes so murky that no one can really make any sense about it. Lord, if there's confusion in any person's life, give us the godly grace to come before you. Maybe that moment's right now. Maybe it's while we're in your presence. We could say, Jesus, forgive me. Lord, if I've been wrong, I'm just searching back and forth through the past, through the present. I believe if all of us, from the youngest to the oldest, middle-aged, new believers, senior believers... Oh, it's just good to witness true repentance in another person. It just seems to soften our own hearts. It's when a person begins to confess or just talk openly and plainly, it just it's kind of like our guard is all broken down and God, if there's nonsense going on in our minds, forgive us, Lord Jesus. Would you in your tenderness and your goodness Godly sorrow, Lord. I was thinking, even during the prayer meeting before winter camp, we can sense the Spirit of the Lord lifting off of this earth. We can even sense among good men and women how all of us, Lord, can be encouraged and challenged back to our time of prayer and time on our knees. That secret place I pray no one here would be guilty of being a hypocrite and if we have been forgive us Jesus if we have done something wrong to another person a child a little girl a little boy to to the young people if we've talked condescending and down to them instead of reaching across and maybe sometimes carrying them. If in our marriages we've become more of division and divisive and separating and looking for a door out the back or a window to crawl out instead of shutting that all down and putting it all back into the same pot together and saying, Lord, help us as Christians. Help us in our families, Lord, and help us in our church to understand what your spirit is saying to us. Yes, in the deep things and in the deep mysteries, but also in the things where maybe we're falling short in or where we could do better in. Help us to understand that godly sorrow is not a person in a bad mood. It's not depression. It's the Spirit of God trying to awaken them and arouse their hearts to the potentials that's laying right within their lives. And Father, I know there's work to be done when we leave the sanctuary. I know there's things that go on through the week, Lord, that there just needs to be some godly men and women that do the right thing. And I pray that you would empower all of us in seasons of change and times of blending. That we're not immature and 
we default back to the way that it used to be or wanting the good old days. But let us be sensitive now to what you would have for all of us. Let us yield to the Holy Ghost. Let us be willing to be leaders by be the first to say, Lord, help me. Humble us, Lord. We want to see healing in our land. We want to see deliverance and forgiveness of sin and lives under the blood. But it must begin in the house of God. It must begin in the house of God. We're joyfully and from the bottom of our hearts. We give you that kind of room to operate. Lord, go with us tonight. Blessed thoughts. Blessed words proceed out from your mouth. Let it not be in church, but let it be through the week now. We begin to love more your appearing in our daily life and make room. And there's so much more power when we include someone else. In our families, in our relationships. Lord, we can pray about it. But there's something about contact, relationship that you want to move greater in our lives. And Lord, I, we surrender tonight. We want to let you have your way, Lord Jesus. Flow through the body. Let there be a gusher. Let there be healings and miracles so great happen amongst our assembly. Listening to God of this evil age where your prophet said, It is more evil now than it was in past ages. It is more evil now. It is darker now. Then Lord Jesus, we want to be willing to change. As Brother Andrew Spencer said, speaking of the eagle, sometimes change is painful. Sometimes that eagle needs to beat its beak against the rock and go to a private place so that the future victories that God wants to win within our lives are won in the private times of our lives. When we're battling it out with you and wrestling and seeking to find the mind of Christ, that when we step out with one another, every action and every move can be thus saith the Lord. Oh, how you've challenged us with that, Lord. But let us go forward even in these things of repentance that we've spoken about tonight. Though it might seem elementary and basic to some. But Lord, don't let us falter now. Don't let us be stumbling over the first fruits. Don't let us be wanting to go on to perfection. And yet realizing there's things in our lives that needs to be dealt with. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Oh, how we want to glorify your name, Lord Jesus. Praise the name of God. Let it be like to Paul where there was joy and happiness that he saw in the church arising up and rising up. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Let's stand and sing that. Oh, would you come to my soul, precious Jesus, my Lord, hear me. I know that I said I was giving you the last quote, but there's just one that I want to leave you with where he says, sometimes you pray for a person 
And it might be a week or two before it ever happens. Something might have happened a week ago. You say, well, nothing happened. It might be a week or two. Then all of a sudden it's like a gusher. I want to encourage you tonight. You say, well, what does all this mean? It, you might just be really wrestling with something. Don't you give up with the presence of the Lord. Say, well, nothing happened. There's more happening than what you realize. It might be a week. It might be two. It might be longer. That's out of Tucson, Arizona, where Brother Branham said, all that could ever be done for a person, for you or I or anyone, was completed and finished at Calvary. I've heard that many say they have healing in their hands, and that might be true. I don't know. But the way I believe it, that our healing is completed with our salvation. He was wounded for our transgressions. And with his stripes, we were healed. It's past tense. He said, the only way we can receive anything from God, and he says, now catch this, is not to look for something, well, well, my hand was crippled, and I was prayed for, and my hand hasn't straightened out in a moment. He said, that doesn't mean I'm not healed. That doesn't have one thing to do with it. He said, I've noticed in 31 years in the ministry and around the world that sometimes you pray for a person, it'll be a week or two before it ever happened. Be encouraged tonight. Say, it's my back, it's my leg, it's my shoulder, or it's a need in my, my children or my husband or my wife or my job. You keep believing God. God is on the scene. Heavenly Father, as we go tonight, may the Holy Spirit that has ministered to us this morning, this afternoon, and tonight go with every life. Sometimes we feel like we would call an altar call and all of us would be there. We feel like when Brother Tom said that this morning, we just feel like a shortage even in our own lives. But as we close tonight, help us to live a life that our children would love the God that we love. They would regard and respect the Lord Jesus Christ because of a daddy, a mother, an auntie, an uncle, a counselor, a teacher, a minister, somebody playing the instrument, someone that shook their hand, a deacon, a mother in the church. Oh God, let us live this token this week before one another. So that we would love the God in one another. And we would want to serve. And we would be willing to even break down before one another. In sincere confessions. And say, would you pray for me, sister? Would you pray for me, brother? Oh God, let it begin even now within our church. A Holy Ghost gusher. Coming down through the channels and the reservoirs of the supernatural. From what you spoke from blessed thoughts bringing it to repentance Lord that we would be a mature church and you would be able to build these virtues within our lives and maturity go with us now as some might want to linger and ponder bless them meet the needs in the church and go with us now if you would give us a week Lord may we live lives worthy of the gospel not just looking at the sacrifices, but looking at our obedience. And if some have not been baptized, I pray that you would move upon their hearts, that that is the next step for them to receive the Holy Ghost and give each one of us a fresh refilling, I pray. 
Go with us now on the visitors that will be traveling home, Lord. I pray as we greet one another, there would be a godly love conveyed to one another. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Can we say amen? Amen. God bless you tonight. Mind the Lord as we go. Let's sing that song, You Are My Refuge. You You Are My Sanctuary. And you mind the Lord. And shake hands. You know, we can do fist bumps, but just deny all those viruses and say, God bless you, brother. You're healed in Jesus' name. You are my refuge. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister.